0: 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. A new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app.
1: Hey, this is John Ridley.
2: And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard hitting episode today, a lot of controversy.
1: A warm and friendly hello. Welcome to the Bowl Las Vegas. For the Baseball Betting Podcast, myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a terrific show for you guys. Joining me in the second segment, we've got Chelsea Messenger joining me. She does terrific work over there with Picks and Parlays. Also, SBR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review. She does a great job on their show a couple times a week. She is going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be looking at some of the splits that she is seeing coming about this season that I think are really going to be impacting bets. We're going to be taking a look at a couple games that are going to be going down on this wonderful Saturday day as well. Chelsea does a great job of just diving into some of the advanced analytics of all sports. She does a great job with NBA, college basketball, list goes on and on. Always great to be able to get her on this podcast and she's going to be joining in the second segment. Then in the final segment I'm going to be giving you guys a side total on every game on the betting board for this Saturday as we touch them all first things first. I do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one or two ways we will fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at JarenSquarty1. Keep in mind the letter ZM. They mean does not matter. The other way to be able to interact with this show is via an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars it is very much appreciated. And then from there you're able We'll send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we did wind up having a very fascinating day of baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these Seems a little bit better.
0: What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out.
1: The Washington Nationals scored 17 runs on Friday, taking down the Arizona Diamondbacks by kind of 17-2. to two. I don't know about you, but the Nationals were feeling 22 with regards to their hits. And they hit a bunch of bombs in this one. Kyle Schwarber goes deep off of Riley Smith. His fifth home run of the season. Trey Turner down for what? Also good deep off of Smith. His ninth, and it got so bad, David Peralta came in to pitch. And there was a home run hit in that one. Andrew Stevenson is able to get his second home run of the season as... Riley Smith did not have a good go of it. He had to try to match up with Max Scherzer. And boy, did he not do a good job of it. Gives up eight runs over the course of three innings. Caleb Smith from there gives up three runs in three innings. Kevin Ginko gives up a run in an inning. JB Bukakis, why is it coming in for an inning? He gives up two runs. And then David Peralta, position player, why is it giving up three runs in an inning for the... Arizona Diamondbacks They go 0-5 with men in scoring position. Really nothing of promise whatsoever as Max Scherzer did not give a lot of length in this one, but you really didn't need him to. He winds up going 85 pitches, pitches 5 innings. He winds up giving up along the way nothing whatsoever. Will Harris gives up a run out of the bullpen. Paolo Espeno winds up going two innings, he gives up a run. And Wander, I swear, oh, this guy sucks. He winds up going an inning without giving up a run. So good on you, Wander, I swear, oh, this guy sucks. What sucks is my New York post play from yesterday. I wound up taking the Cincinnati Reds. And, well, the Cincinnati Reds, instead of being onto a win, they were onto a loss. 9-6 to the final. Wade Miley follows up his no-hitter by, well, getting absolutely shelled. He gave up 11 hits. In three innings in this one, giving up eight runs, all of which weren't. From there, the bullpen wasn't bad. Ryan Hendricks, Ethan Embry, Sionel Perez, along with. A little bit of a new gentleman, an art Warren. I'll give you a squirrel setting of the bullpen. John Doolittle gave up a run out of the bullpen. He wound up giving up the lone home run that the Colorado Rockies wound up hitting. That was by Garrett Hampson. his fifth of the campaign. And for Irman Marquez, not necessarily the world's greatest sir but could have been worse. Gives up four runs over the course of six innings, including a home run. Yancy Almonte goes two innings. He gives up two runs, including a bomb. And then Daniel Bart able to get the save as for the Reds, a team that had been averaging right around 2.8 runs per game on the road about three days ago. They've been able to heat up with that regard. That's what Coors will do for you. And Eugenio Suarez was able to go deep off of Alamante in seventh of the season. And Jonathan India was able to get a serve, but still, no question. Could have used a little bit more out of Miley in this one. The Minnesota Twins could have used a little bit more offense. They wind up going down to the Oakland A's by a kind of six one for the A's. Frankie Montas, one run given up over the course of six innings. he give up a solo home run going deep for the Minnesota Twins. Josh Allenson is fourth of the season, but that's all that the Twins can muster. As you wind up having Birch Smith, Yasmino Petit, and Lutravino I'll give you a scoreless inning and for the Oakland A's. It was home run derby in this one. Derek Law winds up serving one up to Marcana, his sixth home run of the season. Matt Shoemaker winds up giving up a tree over them. Steven Piscotty takes him deep for his fourth home run of the season. Sam Murphy, his fifth home run of the season. And Ramon Laureano is eighth. As for Shoemaker, gives up five runs. Including all three of those home runs over the course of six innings. Derek Law gives up one run in two innings and Caleb Theobar comes in for a scoreless inning. And for the Minnesota Twins, they're now 12-13 in games that ended regulation. 0-11 in games that wind up being either 7 innings or go to extra innings, which I find to be absolutely hilarious at this point. And the A's, they currently have the record that they do, despite having a run differential of negative eight and despite all that, they're currently sitting there at 24-16, and 16. so we could expect a little bit of regression there. Regression has set in for the Kansas City Royals, so they were able to set a 9-game losing streak in Game 1 of their 2-game double dip against the Chicago White Sox on Friday 6-2. They win Game 1. They were able to get a solid performance out of Brad Keller, who's been terrible this year. Why is it giving up 2 runs over the course of 5, innings. Scott Barlow, Josh Bound were able to close it out, and then you had a pair of home runs in this one. Michael A. Taylor goes deep off of Lucas Giolito for his third home run in the campaign, and Salvador Perez gets his 8th home Run the season. Giolito gives up both of those home runs. Five runs in total over the course of six innings. Anthony McCray is able to clean up the seventh and for the White Sox. They wind up straining five men on base. They just weren't able to get a lot going. And then in game two, the White Sox were able to get their revenge by a count of three to one. Michael Kopech, by the way, looking very solid for this team. Gives up one run over the course of four innings. That was a solo home run going deep for the Royals in this one. Carlos Santana. He was able to play his groovy beat to his seventh home run of the campaign, but for Jacob Junis, he was pretty much a pseudo opener in this one. Gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of one and a third innings, being able to take him deep in this one. How about Andrew Vaughn? His second home run the season. He's really been able to come alive. Then from there, Tyler Zuber gives you an out. Jake Brents gives you four outs. Neither of these guys give up a run, and nothing else was given up on this Royals bullpen. They were sinking to the bottom 10. With regards to bullpen ERA, they looked a little bit more solid here. Wade Davis, Greg Holland, Irvin Santana, all are able to give you a squirrel setting, but I mean, they wind up just not having opportunities in general 0 of 2 with men in scoring position so a split for the Royals who have now lost 9 out of their last 10 games so not necessarily going great there the Pittsburgh Pirates things are going a little bit better for them 3 to 2 they were able to take down the San Francisco Giants at 11 innings for the Giants Kevin Gosman was terrific in this one 12 punch outs and gives up one run over the course of eight innings. Jake McGee, Tyler Rogers, they're able to give you a score of sending out the pen. Caleb Barger winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned in extra innings. And for the San Francisco Giants, Brandon Crawford had a home run off of Dwayne Underwood Jr. His eighth of the season to be able to extend this game to extras. For the Pirates, you wind up getting a very good start out of Miguel Yajor. Five scoreless innings for him. From there Sam Howard, David Bernard, Richard Rodriguez. I'll give you a scoreless inning. Dwayne Underwood Jr. gives up that home run in the bullpen, but in two innings, he gives up that solo home run. And then Luis Oviedo gives up one and run. That was the ghost runner that winds up starting in extra innings in the 11th. So the Pirates able to get the job done. And for the Giants, still 23 and 15. So still having a very solid year. After a rough start to the year for the New York Yankees, they now sit here at 21 and 17. They take down the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 5 to 4. For Corey Kluber, he did wind up getting clubbed a little bit in this one. Gives up four runs over the course of six innings, including a home run by Chad Green, Wandy Peralta, Jonathan Weizga. Oh, he would come in and give you a score of setting and a trio of home runs for the Yankees in this one. Gio Urshela winds up going deep off of Trey Lankins Sr., his fifth home run in the campaign. And for Aaron Judge, he goes deep not once but twice, both off of Dean Kremer, his ninth to tenth of the season. Kremer doesn't want to be seeing Aaron Judge anymore. He goes five innings. The two runs they gave up, so home runs Aaron Judge. Lankins gives up a home run of the bullpen. One run while being able to get five outs, but for Cole Solzer, who had been very solid going into this one, gives up two runs while recording just one out of the bullpen Tanner Scott is able to give you a scoreless it along with Adam Plutko, but for the Orioles, now 4-14 four and 14 at home so far this year. That is the worst record out there in the big leagues. The Milwaukee Brewers not finding a lot of success recently. 6-3, to three, they wind up being taken down by the Atlanta Braves. For the Brewers, I believe that they have now lost 8 out of their last 10 as the Atlanta Braves. A pair of home runs in this one, Marcel Ozuna and Ozzie Albies, both go deep off of Eric Lauer. Both of their sixth home runs of the campaign. For the Milwaukee Brewers, it was Adrian Auzer, who had not necessarily the start that he would like. Gives up two runs over the course of three innings, but he wound up having five walks along the way. Was having to evade a lot of landmines. From there, Eric Lauer gives up both of those home runs. Three runs in total. Give it up over the course of three innings. Brian Boxberger gave you a scoreless inning. And then Josh Lindblom now rocking that 995 ERA. Yeah, but that he wishes that he could go to South Korea and get paid what he's currently getting paid in the States because he gives up one run over the course of two innings after being a KBO All-Star. Not necessarily doing so here for the Brewers. pair of home runs in this one. Manny Pina was able to get his third home in the campaign that comes off of Josh Tomlin. And Tomlin also served one up to Luis Arias as for the Brewers, they wind up getting two out of their three runs via solo home runs in the ninth inning as those were both served up by Josh Tomlin and Drew Smiley. A terrific start in this one. He goes six innings. He winds up giving up one run in the process from their Jacob Webb, Sean Newcomb. They wind up splitting the seventh inning scoreless. Tyler Madzik is able to give you a clean inning, and then you wind up having Will Smith get jiggy with it for the final two outs of the game. For the Boston Red Sox, things got a little bit hairy against the LA Angels, but they were able to get just enough to be able to get the job done. Four to three in the final. For the Angels, Griffin is a solid start here. He gives up two runs over the course of six innings, but then the bad bullpen of the Angels continues to be bad. Tony Watson winds up giving up two runs over the course of an inning. Steve check winds up giving you a scoreless inning. And for the LA Angels, Shoy Otani, 11 home runs so far this year. He's been able to get the job done, but you needed a little bit more out of the Angels. As for the Boston Red Sox, Nick Pavetta, who's had his walks issues all year, actually came into this one leading the league with regards to walks. No walks over the course of six innings. We're going to be talking about this with Chelsea Messenger on the other side. And for Nick Pavetta, he is now seven and one. The Boston Red Sox are in his starts. Matt Andrees gives up a run on the bullpen, but Adam Atavino, Matt Barnes, both able to give you scoreless settings. And for the Boston Red Sox, Hunter Renfro. Starting to look not terrible for this team. Inning at 241 gets his fifth home run the season, and Bobby Dahlbeck goes deep as well. Both of these guys have caught a little bit of fire. It's fourth of the season. That comes off of Tony Watson. For the Chicago Cubs. They are open to catch a little bit of fire themselves. They wind up taking down the Detroit Tigers by a count of 4 and if you're looking to catch fire playing against the Detroit Tigers, typically a good way to be able to do so. Jake Arrieta, first start off the injured list in a few weeks, gives up two runs over the course of six innings. Both of those were solo home runs. Going deep for the Tigre days in this one, Robbie Gross made his fourth home run this season, and then it was the first home run the season for backup catcher Jake Rogers, and for the Detroit Tigers, Terry Skubel, well, he winds up giving up four runs over the course of six innings as the Detroit Tigers with the worst bullpen RA right there in the big leagues. They get three scoreless settings. Kyle Funkarser delivered two of them. Brian Garcia gives you the other one, but for the Cubs, they were able to get a nice home run off the bat of Chris Bryant, his seventh home run of the season. And for the Cubs, bullpen continues to be solid. Andrew Schaefer and Craig Kimbrell, Ryan Tapera, all able to give you a scoreless setting. You were able to get a lot of scoreless settings on the Rays and the New York Metropolitans as the Rays walk it off 3-2 to two the final. They were down by a count of 2-0 to zero going into the bottom of the eighth, and then the Mets bullpen, which had been really good, but I kept saying... There's probably going to be some regression. Well, there was. Miguel Castro winds up giving up a run late in this game. David Peterson, seven to third innings, and he was just left in there a little bit too long. He gives up two runs, and that is thanks to a home run that was hit by Mike Zanino, his eighth of the season. Zanino not necessarily getting it done with the batting average, but he's been able to hit bombs, and for Tyler Glass, so he was terrific in this one. Gives up two runs over the course of eight innings. He gets ten punch outs. Did wind up giving up a home run being able to go deep. For the Metropolitans in this one, Jonathan VR he was able to get his second home run of the season, and for Peter Fairbanks, he comes in, he was able to give the Tampa Bay Rays a clean ninth inning to be able to set things up. And for Aaron Loop, he wound up giving the team a Good hold along with Trevor May. Both of these guys combined for an inning, but it was Miguel Castro. That winds up giving it up for them. Giving it up for the Miami Marlins was one Cindy Alcantara as the LA Dodgers used an eight-run second inning to be able to get a 9-6 to win. They very nearly blew this one as the Miami Marlins wind up storming back for four in the third after the Dodgers wound up getting their eighth spot. But you take a look at Alcantara. Eight runs, give it up in one and a third inning, so he gave up eight runs and recorded four outs. Not a good start for him as he began the night with an ERA sub three, and now it's above four as the lone home run of the game for the Dodgers was actually off the bat of Max his eighth of the season. Dodgers go 7-16 to 16 with men in scoring position, including Clayton Kershaw now hitting above a 300. He was able to get an RBI in this one, and for Kershaw, not necessarily his best start. He was able to give a length. He winds up giving up five runs over the course of six innings, including home run going deep for the Miami Marlins. Adam Duvall is seventh, but Give some credit here to the Miami Marlins bullpen. Not ideal considering they're probably going to be having a bullpen game coming up today, but John Curtis with two assists was able to give you two scoreless innings. Zach Pop had five outs in him. Ross Setweiler, Anthony Bender were both able to give you a scoreless inning, and Adam Simber winds up giving up a run and an inning And for the Dodgers. Bullpen is right now very much injured, but with that said, Victor Gonzalez along with Blake Trine were able to give you a combined one and a third inning scoreless. Dennis Santana gives up a run the bullpen, but Kenley Jansen did his job. Got a saving. By the way, Ken Lee Jansen, book 65 ERA. He's actually been solid the last couple years. It's just when he's not been solid has been in some very unopportunistic spots. It was an unopportunistic spot on Friday if you were a Cleveland Indians backer. The Seattle Mariners get a 7-3 to win and for Chris Flexen, he continues to be flexing for this team. How about five and two-thirds innings giving up just one run in the process. Kendall Graveman, Eric Swanson, Rafael Montero where he will come out of the bullpen. They wind up giving you a combined two and two-thirds innings scoreless. J.T. Chargois winds up giving up two runs out of the bullpen including home run going deep for the Cleveland Indians. Josh Naylor is third of the campaign, but for Aaron Savoli, he did not have it in this one. He winds up giving up five runs over the course of six of two thirds innings, including two home runs. Phil Maine he gives up a home run, records one out, gives up two runs, and then you wind up getting a scoreless inning out of Trevor Stephen. But for the Seattle Mariners, the lineup has been intermittent. They've been one of the worst teams with regards to batting average at home. But Kyle Seeger is finding it. He got his eighth home run of the campaign that comes off of Savali, and then Maine winds up giving up a home run to Mitch It's eleventh inning. Jared Kelnick. Yes, the gentleman who has been much publicized as one of the top prospects to come up in quite a while gets his first home run on the campaign that comes off of Savali in the third inning and I do have to post this podcast at midnight Pacific as I'm doing this podcast. It is the San Diego Padres leading the St. Louis Cardinals in the bottom of the seventh inning by a count of 4-1 to one, where the St. Louis Cardinals, not necessarily the start that they were hoping for out of you don't mess with the Johan Oviedo. He gives up three runs in two innings, walked five which wound up taking him out of this game so they're having to go through the bullpen Seth Eldridge has pitched an inning as I'm doing this Jake Woodford two innings. Tyler Webb winds giving up a run on the bullpen and in seven innings the St. Louis Cardinals have won one of eleven with men in scoring position with ten men stranded on bases for the Padres Joe Musgrove. Winds going five innings had to evade a bunch of landmines, but he gives up just one run. Craig Salmon was able to give you four outs. Austin Adams was able to give you a pair of outs as well and this for a San Diego Padres team that they wind up benching a whole bunch of guys yesterday but something that cannot. be benches. some of the trends that we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. I think that it's always very fascinating to take a look at as you take a look for the season, it has been really a little bit more unders and overs. I know that Chelsea Messenger is going to be talking about this in the next segment, but as of right now, unders are 271 and 262. So, they're hitting at a little bit above a 50% clip. You've seen favorites really being able to do a good job recently. For the year, 304 and 245, which It's still a little bit lower than what you'd expect, but how about favorites over the last seven days? 60 and 30. So if you've been taking favorites, you've been doing well in unders in the last seven days. Forty-seven and forty, and if you're looking at some of the trends that we're finding on the run line, the San Francisco Giants, along with the St. Louis Cardinals, entered into this night twenty-four and fourteen. But the Seattle Mariners, with their win, now twenty-four and fifteen on the run line, so they've been rock solid. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Twins, ten and twenty-five on the run line, entering into the night, I believe that they are now ten and twenty-six. If you're looking at some of your top over teams, Cincinnati, with yet another over, they have played about sixty-eight percent of their games to the over, so that is something that I'm taking a look at if you're looking at your top under team in baseball right now. The Washington Nationals, though, that was not the case last night. They wind up entering into the night with... 71% of their games going under nine twenty-two and 2 on totals, with the 9 being for the overs and not the unders. So, that's what we're all seeing in Major League Baseball right now. Chelsea Messenger does a great job of being able to track everything with regards to baseball. She does a great job of being able to analyze the game, looking at the splits and so much more. Coming up next, we're going to be talking with her about some of the splits that she's seen emerge from this baseball season, and take a look at some of the games for Saturday as well. That's on the other side, right here on the Baseball Banking Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson.
0: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime
1: Network Hotline. We're back here in Lovey, Las Vegas. For the Baseball Betting Podcast, myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our next guest. This lady does absolutely terrific work over there with picks and parlays. You're able to catch her on a wide variety of shows. I know that she does some work with SBR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review. She does work with our good buddy, Jason Radowitz, who wound up joining this podcast a couple days ago. So she contributes over there. Sometimes you can catch her on Sports Grid as well. So she's got a little bit of everything going on, and you're able to follow her on Twitter at Chelsea Messenger. I will spell that out for you. C-H-E-L-S-A and then M-E-S-S-I-N-G-E-R. Chelsea, always great to have you, aboard. Thank you so much for joining me.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. It seems like we're finally into the part of the baseball season where the stats actually matter. Because, you know, the first of the year, it's really hard to, judge based on some of those stats because baseball is not a small sample size sport so we're getting into the point where some of those stats can actually be helpful and meaningful for some of these games and some of these pitchers so looking forward to breaking down the slate and uh, just talking about trends in
1: general and I'm so glad that you bring that up because what sort of trends do you wind up looking for with regards to your handicapping at this time of year which ones are really significant and which ones are sort of like and I'm not sure on those because I know that there are some people that they look at how teams wind up doing on like Wednesdays and things like that. And oh, I never no. necessarily <laughs> put a lot of stock into that. But I do think that's something like the amount of Reds runs that we're seeing at home versus on the road is something that is something that is catching my eye. The Philadelphia Phillies home to road things like this. I don't know if you're a little bit different, but those are the sorts of splits that I've been taking a look at personally.
2: Right. And I think in general, unders have been hitting at a higher clip than they have been in the past. And we've seen a lot more strikeouts in baseball this season. They talk about it on all the baseball shows. I don't know if it's guys wanting to hit more home runs. The approach is different. Everybody has that launch angle swing that they're trying to hit home runs as opposed to choking up and shortening their swings on two strikes. But we have seen more unders this season, which is great for me because I love betting unders, especially when you have a good pitching matchup. And then the other trend that I've really noticed is the raise opposing starters K props on an absolute tear for some of these pitchers. Over their last 10, you've seen guys like uh, Andrew Heaney got 10. Otani got seven, Minaya had 10, Jordan Montgomery had eight strikeouts through four innings of work, and then Garrett Cole just had a strikeout prop that looked really high. It was nine and a half with a little juice at minus 120, and everybody was telling me that's too high, but the Rays continue to be a strikeout-heavy team, and he got 12. So they can kick rocks, because that was a good (laughs) bet. Just a couple things I've noticed uh, if you do play strikeout props or if you do play
1: unders. I think that that's such good advice to give, because I've always talked on this podcast about how the Rays since the beginning of the 2020 season are leading the league with regards to strikeouts, but you've got one team that is the exact opposite. They are by far the lowest in the Houston Astros. Not only is that good for strikeout props, but you just wind up getting more balls in play in general with the Astros. That means that you're more likely to have good things happen with it as well. You're more likely to cause an error. The ball is much more likely to leave the yard when you make contact rather than when you don't as well. And I think that these are very important things to look at. Don't just look at the raw runs per game. Don't just look at the raw batting average, but look at sort of some of what winds up going into it, how the sausage is made for lack of a better term.
2: Right. And there's all kinds of numbers for baseball. It's definitely a statistical sport just for every single at bat. I would love to see how the Ozmakers makers do some of these games because there's so many stats you can use and so many ways you can attack a game to where you can almost get statted out, where you can be crippled uh, paralysis by analysis if you look too deep into some of these games. And so I try to keep that into consideration. We are still talking about humans here. We are still talking about guys who make errors. Guys that still have some kind of motivation. So that's the thing. If you're trying to beat the book, you need to have an edge that they might not have. So try to think outside the box uh, when you handicap some of these games because. The numbers are definitely a good place to start, and that's usually how I back up most of my plays. But there are some things here and there uh, that can make a difference as well. If you do like looking at stats, uh, fan graphs is a good place to start. At least for me, you can find all the advanced metrics because it used to be just batting average and slugging and on-base percentage, but now it's expected ERA, it's WOBA, it's WRC+. Plus. So. There's all kinds of numbers and you can really use them to your advantage, especially like I said, this far into the season, some of these numbers actually are meaningful.
1: I agree. As we do have Chelsea Messenger of Picks and Parlays joining me right here on the podcast, also does some terrific work with SBREK Sportsbook Review. And Chelsea, something else I wind up taking a look at because you mentioned fangrafts and I absolutely love them. I always love to be able to take a look at the bullpen ERA and the bullpen sets because you're able to go a little bit deeper. You're able to see the walks per nine, the strikeouts per nine innings that a specific bullpen winds up having. And I do think that it's very important when you're handicapping baseball on a day-in and day-out basis, just to monitor who wound up pitching the previous day because I do think that there are many people that they try to be able to gauge how bullpen use is being done. But I do think that there is something vastly different when you wind up seeing like for example, Devin Williams of the Brewers, he wanted pitching two pitches a few days ago against the St. Louis Cardinals. He's much more likely to be able to come back the next day, despite the fact that he wanted pitching the previous day than if he would have thrown, say, 22 pitches. And I think that being able to just gauge the usage of some of these bullpens day in and day out, even pinch hitters, for lack of a better term, if you're looking at totals as well, is very important too.
2: Right. And I think innings pitch for bullpens is really important in that regard. Look at how many of these guys are getting worked because, you know, tired arms in the bullpen and guys that are getting overworked. It's not a good thing. And it usually means starters aren't going deep in games, which, you know, is not a good thing as well. I will say the two teams that have the most innings pitched by their bullpens. Their bullpens are good. The Padres have a 2.64 ERA, good for second in the league, just behind the Indians, but they're a team that has a really good bullpen and they're not afraid to have a bullpen day, same for the Rays. I mean, they've always been like that. They use starters, they use openers. So, I think you do look at the team and how they use that bullpen, but other than that, you look at teams like the Rangers who have a ton of innings pitched, the Angels who have battled with a lot of injuries this season. That's definitely a, a recipe for Overs usually or teams just score more runs, you know, when going against these bullpens because late in games, you know, you have guys that have been throwing night in or night out or guys that are up and down from triple A. That's not an easy life. I can tell you, my husband had that life for many seasons, and those guys are on red-eye flights. Uh, They're going up and down. They don't know when they're pitching. So that's definitely something to look at when you're playing totals.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you as well. And when you take a look at a pitcher, I think that it's very important to look at fielding independent as well. This is something I looked at with Dylan Cease a lot last year because I still remember he posted like a four ERA and his fielding independent was more than two points higher than his ERA. And it's like, Man, at some point, there's going to be a little bit of regression that comes in. I also wind up taking a look at pitchers that have walked a lot of guys, like with Nick Pavetta, for example. He's gotten off to an absolutely tremendous start, but leading the league in walks, and yet his team is 6-1 and in those starts, that's something that I take a look at. Choi Otani. Walking nearly seven and a half guys per nine innings. That's something that I just feel like is going to dry up as well. I don't know if you wind up taking a look at some of these things as well, but I always want to be taking a look at some of those aspects of it along with hits per nine because let's face it, more hits you wind up giving up, typically the more hard contact you're bound to give up if you're giving up like over 10 plus hits per nine innings. Meanwhile, if you're giving up more like five hits per nine innings, you're much less likely to be playing with fire
2: right and then something else to consider is you're not just handicapping one pitcher you know I guess unless you're doing strikeouts but Nick Pavetta has been one of the most profitable first five pitchers because the Red Sox offense has been so potent in the first five too so it's not just one thing when you're betting on a team to win or a team to win in the first five you've got to take into consideration the offense that's behind them the run support that they're going to get because we've seen it with Jacob Degrom, obviously best pitcher in baseball right now i think corbin burns is up there but jacob Degrom is on another level but the problem is he doesn't get run support so when we're talking about betting on baseball that's something you need to consider too because you can you know game plan the game as much as you want but there's other factors that go into it when you're betting on a game
1: i agree as we do have chelsea messenger or picks and parlays joining me on the podcast and something else that we're noticing for Saturday's board, and I always think that this is intriguing, the good old 2 b determined starter. I know that the Miami Marlins are one of those teams. They've been using a whole bunch of bullpen games. You just wound up talking about it with your husband, and now he's been sort of up and down. The Miami Marlins have been utilizing a lot of the same approach with regards to a bunch of their starters. I know you've got a couple of other teams like the New York Mets, the Toronto Blue Jays are a little bit undecided with their stars. How do you gauge some of these teams? Because for one, you're really not able to bet these games until like the morning, and even in some cases, the afternoon of the game. And for two, it does give you a little bit less time to be able to evaluate it, and it just feels like there's more unknowns in general.
2: Here's the thing: there's so many baseball games usually on the slate that if you don't like a game, don't bet on it. I think that's something that I've learned over time. If I don't absolutely, you know, feel like I have an edge, don't bet on it. There's 14 other games and 14 other ways to bet it. And sometimes the best bet is not to make one. So if you don't have a starter that you're seeing on the board and you don't like it, don't play it.
1: And typically you've got 15 games on the board if every single team's in action. Except for yesterday, we wound up seeing a doubleheader. So you actually had 16 And. Chelsea, when you just take a look in general at the Saturday board, I do think that you've got some very interesting games because I do think that the matchup between the Giants and the Pittsburgh Pirates is one that catches my eye. You've got Johnny Cueto right around a minus 140-ish favorite, give or take a little bit going up against Tyler Anderson, who's been very solid and actually pitched for the San Francisco Giants last season. and. I think that these are some of the most intriguing spots. When you wind up having a guy that wound up having a cup of coffee with the team like Anderson wound up doing last season with the Giants, it almost feels like the pitcher is either going to be out there having a lights-out performance or he's going to be out there and he's going to get absolutely shelled. It doesn't necessarily feel like you've got a whole lot of in-between in these spots. I don't know how you wind up gauging these, but that's one that really catches my eye.
2: Yeah, I don't know how much that plays a factor because a lot of these guys that are kind of playing for their job, there's a lot of pressure. And I think some of that's to blame for the guys that don't do well with their first team. And sometimes when they get a second chance and they're with a team like the Pirates, you know, that's not playing for anything, they get more of a chance to settle in and they know that their job's a little bit more secure. So I think maybe that's the reason he might be doing a little bit better. But looking at these teams, uh, another thing is looking at uh, lefty and righty splits. Anytime there's a lefty on the mound, I think it's a good idea to see how teams line up against left-handed pitching. And that's what we have here. How the Giants fare against lefties. They're 13th uh, with a 733 OPS and they're hitting 233, Uh, not the greatest but you know not the worst uh that's not really one that I stuck out is there a reason you like that one
1: I just think that Johnny Cueto in general coming off the injured list he in general has been one that is treated by bankroll very well when I bet on him in recent years so that is a big reason why and also just Tyler Anderson in general he's been able to come back this year and he's looked so much better I remember two years ago back when he was with the Rockies this guy was absolutely terrible he's made have a little bit of a career reverse. He's had a little bit of a career rebirth, 41 and a third innings, three home runs issued, 305 ERA. So that's sort of why it caught my eye. And something that I think is also very interesting with this game as well is gauging good pitchers on bad teams because it feels like it's one of the most difficult things to do because with Anderson, I could conceivably see him going out there, throwing six innings, giving up two runs for the Pirates, which... By any stretch is a very good start, but you just have that fear that the Pittsburgh Pirates are only going to wind up scoring like one run because their offense has been anemic. We've seen this with someone like a Matthew Boyd for the Detroit Tigers really comes to mind. We all know that Jacob deGrom gets no run support whatsoever. So I think that these are some of the things that are very fascinating as well. Throw in there the Brewers aces Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns and the fact that the Brewers are generating no runs for them as well.
2: Right. Well, then you play a total. I think that's how you play it. Don't chance it on having their run support. I wouldn't put my money on that. I would put it on an under. Because a lot of these times, if you see these aces on the mound and they're able to go seven innings with just one run, there's a good shot that that's going to be an under game. I think Cardinals Padres looks like an under. I need to see the number. I would imagine it'd be low with Wayne Wainwright on the mound uh, for the Cardinals. And the Cardinals in general, normally it looks like they're an under team. At so, seven. It's at seven. Yeah, some of these totals have been really low because we've seen a lot of unders. Cardinals Padres, uh, Paddock on the mound obviously has not been as good as he has been in the past. But this Cardinals lineup has been a little bit or hit or miss. And we just saw them coming off that Brewers series, which I think almost all the games went under, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And then the other one that sticks out to me is the Royals White Sox. This is a trend that's been going on for the last two seasons. White Sox against lefties have been almost unbeatable, 23 and one over the past two seasons against left-handed pitching. So I think that's an easy play there. However, you know the books know that too, so you'd have to take the White Sox either in the first five minus a half for any kind of value, or on the run line in the full game. The White Sox have been absolutely mashing lefties, the best uh, team against lefties in the big leagues. Mike Miner uh, coming in with a 5.75 ERA, and plus you've got Carlos Rodon on the mound, 5 and 0 with a .58 ERA. Probably the best story out of the Sox rotation this season. And he's just pitching Lance out every single game. I don't think he's going to have a .58 ERA for the entire season. That's just the way baseball is. But I would take the White Sox in the first five minus a half. That would probably be my best play for that one.
1: And Mike Miner has been a major disappointment recently for the Kansas City Royals. As you mentioned, nearly a 6 ERA. It certainly has not been going well for him ever since he was an All-Star a few years ago. But something that's going very well, getting you on this podcast show. So you always bring it whenever you're on here. I know you did some great work for my college basketball podcast, Hoopo with Hoops, when you joined that one as well a few times during the season. And you're someone that you do just a great job in general of being able to take a look at a wide variety of things. I know that you're doing some NBA work. Obviously baseball is big for you with your husband being a pitcher in his own right. And you do just so many great things. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just what's all going on with Chelsea in general.
2: Yeah. As always, thanks for having me. You're always the best and you know hyping up your guests. So I do appreciate <laughs> that. Anytime you can find me on Twitter at Chelsea messenger i'll usually throw out my plays and put my video analysis most of the days i do most of my work on tuesdays and wednesdays so those are the days i have uh probably six or seven plays on the other days usually one or two so if you just follow me on twitter you can find all of my work there i'm pretty good at putting it out there and as always thanks for having me on
1: Always great to have Chelsea on the podcast. She does absolutely tremendous work, and she is someone that has just absolutely tremendous insight when it comes to the game of baseball. So big thanks to Chelsea for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast I give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Saturday as we touch them all. Welcome
0: back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And
1: hey, we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to Chelsea Messenger doing great work with picks and parlays for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this wonderful Saturday as we touch them all.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
1: Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenSquirty1, as per usual, going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. What happens with Las Vegas rotation order is that these are the numbers in which you wind up giving out when you wind up placing a bet in Las Vegas, and it goes nationally games first, then the American League games after that, and then any interleague games, they wind up going at the bottom of the sack, and it's by time order as well. By the way, if you're hearing anything going on in the background, that would be the girlfriend actually making some HelloFresh meals. And if you go to HelloFresh.com slash Hoops12, or if you wind up typing into the promo code Hoops12, you are able to get up to 12 free meals with signing up for HelloFresh. Absolutely tremendous. They've got a tremendous menu of over 25 mouth-watering recipes to choose from each week. You're able to really customize the amount of meals that you wind up getting each week, and I can tell you right now looks like for tonight it is going to be curry spice chickpea bowls, so I am looking forward to that. So, just want to get that out of the way right now if you're hearing a little bit of noise. We do begin with the first nationally game, 951-952 on the betting board. One that myself and Chelsea talked about a little bit ago. It is a San Francisco Giants, and they are going to be hitting the road, facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tyler Anderson, going to be going for the Buckos. Meanwhile, Johnny Cueto is on the bump for the Giants. Your total on this game is 7.5. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and plus 105. If you're looking at the Giants, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 134 and minus 141. Your plus price here with Pittsburgh. Anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130 for Johnny Cueto. He wound up missing quite a bit of the year due to injury, but this is always a guy that, like I was talking about with Chelsea, always seems to be able to find it. So far this year, 2-1 record, 352 ARA. It's given up to Omar runs, 5 walks to 23 innings, small sample size, but even last year he was relatively rock solid, and for Tyler Anderson, mentioned it a little bit earlier, he wound up pitching for the Giants last season, and he's done a good job of keeping the ball in the yard, 3 home runs, give it up in 41 and 3rd innings, not necessarily a guy that's going to be lighting the world on fire with regards to Radar Gum, but certainly someone that's able to give you a bit of something, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you've got a solid bullpen as well, Sam Howard is someone I do like, Richard Rodriguez has been solid Kyle Crick, whenever he's been out there has been good, looks like Crick is on the injured list, but you've got Jason Shreve, now in the for this team. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Giants' bullpen of this team has been relatively rock solid. Jake McGee, along Tyler Rogers, have been good in the back half of games. You've also got Sam Selman, who's able to give you some solid innings. Camilio Duval has been a little bit intermittent, but he's been improving as the season has went along. And when you take a look at both of these rosters, neither team's necessarily doing the world's greatest job of hitting. Now you've got one player in this game that is doing an amazing job. That'd be Buster Posey. Wound up entering into yesterday with North about 375 batting average. So that's absolutely tremendous. You've got Evan Longoria, Steven Duger, both of these guys hitting the neighborhood of a 260. And then after that, with the San Francisco Giants, bunch of guys hitting between, I would say about a 220 and a 235. Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, Mike Stromsky, Mike Dockman. And then for the Pittsburgh Pirates, got a pair of guys getting on base for this team. Adam Frazier, Brian Reynolds, same between a 280 and a 300. And then you've been able to get a little bit of something out of young first baseman Will Craigie wound up getting his first career home run a couple days ago? But Martin Perez, along with Wilmer Difo, list goes on and on. Kaye Tom, these guys have not necessarily been doing a great job. You've also got Gregory Palunco, who is hitting at the Mendoza line of 200, so you don't necessarily have a lot of offensive firepower there. And when you take a look at this Giants team in general, they have been able to do a good job both in road and home games. I wound up saying them more around a minus 156 personally. And if you're taking a look at the run line in this spot, you're only finding it right around a plus one 25. I expect it to be a little bit higher in this spot, but with that said, more than happy to take the money line of the Giants. While well, I'm saying this total at 8. I do recognize that neither of these teams are necessarily lighting the world on fire with regards to their offense, but it does feel a little bit low, especially when you consider the fact that Cueto is on the injured list a little bit. And the fact that Tyler Anderson has a little bit of familiarity with the lineup. So I do think that the other guys for the Giants are going to know ascendancy. So we're going to be going over and laying it here with the Giants. 953, 954 on the banging board. The Atlanta Braves hit the road to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. You had an Anderson in the first game and you got a battle of Andersons here. Ian Anderson goes for the Bravos. Meanwhile, Brett Anderson on the bump for the Brew Crew. You're getting a relatively pick'em price here. I'm seeing this only up at Circa. Atlanta's a minus 106 favorite. Brewers are minus 104 total on this game 7 and half. Over is just a minus 115. The under is minus 105. I made the Brewers a very slight favorite here on my personal line, which does not involve juice. Brewers at minus 104. Braves at plus 104. So, if this is an early indication, likely going to be looking at the Brewers, but pretty much if I'm able to find plus money on either of these teams, that's what I'm going to wind up going with, as I do think that this should be a relatively pick-em game. When you take a look at Brett Anderson, does a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. A soft tosser that's not are you going to get a lot of punch outs He's someone that he really relies upon being able to get those slow rollers, being able to get soft contact in general. Has given up 20 hits in 20 and a third innings, but has only walked five, so that is relatively solid. Meanwhile, for Ian Anderson, walks have always been a little bit of an issue for him. So far this year, he's issuing just below four walks per nine innings, but has done a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Four home runs, give it up in 39 innings. Now with the Brewers, they do have the better bullpen in the spot. Devin Williams, Josh Hader are obviously the big two, but J.P. Fireson has right around a 0.50 ER. Right. now you take a look at this Burrs lineup, and it is rough. They wound up having three guys entering into the game yesterday, hitting above 231. Colton Wong has been able to give you a bit of something, hitting at 250. You've got Tyrone Taylor hitting in the neighborhood of a 245, and obviously, Garcia is hitting at 265. Now, Omir Nervais is sort of in and out of the fold right now. He's been able to give you a little bit of something, but Luis Urias, Pablo Reyes, Manny Pino, Lorenzo Kane. These guys have not stepped up. Remember for the Atlanta Braves? You gotta figure that this team is gonna start hitting eventually. You've got quite a few guys with pop in the bat. Freddie Freeman has been able to go Deep nine times so far this year, and his on base percentage is right around 350, but only a 214 batting average. Marcel Azuna, Dan's Swanson, both in between a 207 and a 213. You've got Ozzy Yellowbee sitting at 233, so you expect a little bit more there. William Contreras has stepped in for Travis Arnault, he's only getting about a 207. And Darren has been able to give you a little bit of something along with Austin Riley. And then when you take a look at this Braves bullpen, wound up getting taxed in that series against the Toronto Blue Jays. Will Smith has been a little bit irrelevant for the team. Tyler Madzik was bad a couple weeks ago, he seems to be. Refining it and Luke Jackson is someone I do like, but been a little bit of rough sledding for them. I do think that the Brewers should be a slight favorite here, but like I said, whatever team I'm able to find at relatively any sort of a plus price is where I'm going to be looking at. With both of these pitchers going at it, I do think that they're both going to allow a little bit of contact. I think that both of these offenses are going to start to erupt, so wind up say this total a little bit closer to nine, 9.3 specifically, so I'm going to be taking a look at an over, and I'm probably going to be winding up taking a look at the Brewers in the spot, but that's a little bit more subject to change. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. We are on to Cincinnati as the Reds are on the road facing off against the Colorado Rockies. 2-2 Sherman is going to be going for the Rockies. Tyler Molly is on the bump for the Cincinnati Reds due to the undecided pitcher of the Rockies. This is a game that is presently off the board, but if you take a look at Mr. Tyler Molly, he's been able to do a solid job so far this year. Now, walks can be an issue with him. He's issuing over... Four walks per nine innings has given up six home runs at 36 innings, but other than the hard contact, he's really allowed not much of anything. Three RA 117 whips, so he's been able to keep the overall contact down. Now, with the Colorado Rockies, this is a bunch that they do strike out a little bit more than they have in past years, but they're not necessarily overly bad with that. But you saw Ryan McMahon being out of the lineup for the team yesterday, he's right now leading the team in home runs. He's got more home runs at home than anyone else, pretty much, does on the team in general. Trevor's story has been able to give you something with a 280 batting average, but four home runs for him so far this here. that's a little bit too low. Meanwhile, you've got Charlie Blackman, Josh Fuentes, along with Edwin Diaz. All these guys hitting at 225 or lower. They were also without Remy El Tapia yesterday. And for the Cincinnati Reds. You gotta be taking a look at the home run road splits with this team averaging right around 6.8 runs per game at home on the road. Vastly different story, but when you go to Coors Field, you throw all of that out the window, so there is that because you've got Jesse Winker hitting above a 370 for the team. Taylor one. 8 home runs, 260 batting average. 8 home runs at 96 at bats, by the way. That's really something Now, Eugenio Suarez has had a rough go of that buck 52 batting average. Joey Votto is currently injured. Shogo Akiyama has just not been able to give you much in general. He just wound up coming off the injured list, so they're hoping to get a little bit of production out of him, and for the rest You're hoping for a little bit more production on the bullpen as you've got a pair of teams at the bottom six with regards to bullpen ERA. Sean Doolittle has lived up to his name, doing very little for this team. Ryan Hendricks, Ethan Embry, these are guys I don't like. I actually liked Amir Garrett and what he was able to bring to the table. He's currently not with the big league team right now, though. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Rockies. You've got Tyler Kinley not necessarily doing much now. I did like what they were able to get out of Justin Lawrence. He has been sent back down slash is going through an injury, so that's not terrific. Robert Stevenson, Jordan Sheffield, not necessarily too bullish on these guys. I've got to think that the Reds are going to be some form of a favorite here with the Rockies. I just don't know in general they're going to wind up starting. Typically, it would be someone like a Jeff Hoffman, but Jeff Hoffman ironically enough is now on the Cincinnati Reds, so that is certainly not going to be something, and if you're looking at the Rockies in general, likely going to be a bullpen game, so this is a total that I'll probably be looking at a total right around like 11-ish personally, if it winds up being what I think it's going to be, and the Reds Probably a sizable favorite. Check back in the morning my Twitter to feed at JarenSquarty1 once we figure out who's going to be going for the Rockies. 957, 958 on the main board. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be playing us the Washington Nationals. Joe Ross goes for the Nets. Meanwhile, Luke Weaver is on the bump for Arizona. Arizona is a slight underdog here, anywhere between plus 102 and plus 110. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Nets, anywhere between minus 112 and minus 120. Total on this game is nine. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and even. For Ross, he has come back after missing the 2020 season, sitting out due to COVID-19, and he's been relatively solid. He has given up seven home runs in 31 and two-thirds innings, but. Really, a lot of the runs that he wound up giving up was just that terrible start that he had about a month ago against the St. Louis Cardinals. Wound up giving up 10 runs in that start. In his other five starts, a combined five. So, you want to be taking a look at that and noting that one bad start. Meanwhile, you take a look at the years in the Diamondbacks for Luke Weaver. He was able to have a very good start his last time out. Against the Miami Marlins, six and a third scoreless innings. Prior to that, he had given up three plus runs in each out of his last four starts and went four innings or fewer in three of them and in the other one he winds up going five so that's not great with the Arizona Diamondbacks. You do have some guys that are able to give you some length of the bullpen to be able to help them out. Caleb Smith is able to give you multiple innings Alex Young as well so got a couple guys there but JB Burkakis and company not necessarily guys I trusted him for the Nationals in recent years they've been absolutely terrible with the bullpen but they bring in Brad and Kyle Finnegan is someone that's able to hold down the 14 or Rainey. He certainly has had a little bit of a rough year so far this year with nearly an ADRA and They bring back Wander, I swear all this guy sucks and well, there's a reason why he's called Wander. I swear, oh, this guy sucks, but awesome. Both has been solid out of the bullpen. And then when you take a look at the Nationals in general, this is a lineup that they're able to get things going. Juan Soto, Juan, if just coming off the injured list, you got to figure that he's going to be a bit more than the three home runs he currently has. Josh Harrison is hitting for a 275. Sterling Castro, Trey Turner down for what hitting above a 300 is solid. Jan Gomes has been able to get on base as well. And then when you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks, one of the better offenses out there in the big leagues is fight the fact that the Marte Parte of Kitel Marte, not currently out there, but you've got David Peralta. Pavin Smith. Joshua Rojas. All in between a 267 and a 277. Eduardo Escobar has been able to give you 7 home runs. But only in a 204. Steven Vogt has been not necessarily terrific. Whenever Carson Kelly has been out there. He's been good. But he's a little bit banged up right now. So I do think that the Nationals should be a slight favorite here. I think that this has maybe went a little bit too far. Wound to making the Nationals a minus 107 favorite. They've been a little bit inconsistent. So you're at plus 110. What I'm seeing at Circa. Could be taking that with the Diamondbacks. With this total I wound up setting it at 9.2. Seeing a minus 110 juice on the 9. We're going to be digging this total over to go along with the D backs. 959, 960 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Slam Diego Padres, and they're going to be playing us the St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Wainwright is going to be going for the cards. Meanwhile, Chris Paddock is on the bump for the pods. Your total on this game is seven. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 110. If you're looking at the cards, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 112 and plus 123. Meanwhile, looking to lay it here with the Padres. Anywhere between minus 129 and minus 133. For Paddock, you wound up having a really good start to his season I believe it was during the 2019 campaign even then winds up falling back to earth was actually sent down to the minors that year, year as well and he's got a 4.78 ERA. He just pitches to a little bit too much contact. He's giving up right around 10 hits per nine so far this year and for Wainwright, he got off to an atrocious start to the year. He's really been able to find it ever since. He had a little bit of a rough go it against the New York Mets about a week, week and a half ago, but by and large, he has been able to do a nice job of holding down the fort. Three earned runs or fewer given up in now five out of his last six starts. He has been doing a good job of being able to cut down on the walks as well. 12 walks in 42 and two-thirds innings and when you take a look the St. Louis Cardinals. It's been very interesting to watch this lineup because we've got quite a few guys getting on base. Not necessarily a lot of pop though. Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, Nolan Arenado. All guys hitting between a two seventy five and a 286. Meanwhile, Yadier Molina is hitting just below 300. He's been a rock for the team, but Matt Carpenter has been terrible. You just don't know what you're going to get night in and night out of Tyler O'Neill. Seven home runs, but is only hitting at 230. So there is that aspect of it. And for the Padres, you take a look at the lineup that they wanted trotting out there yesterday. A combined 14 home runs between all of their starters going into yesterday. Manny Machado has five home runs, but he's hitting at 225. Fernando Tatis Jr. has been in and out of the full Trent Grisham has been very good for the team. Grisham and Machado, by the way, quite. a a few stolen bases between them and for Grisham. 288 batting average Corona worth is hitting right around a 275. But you take a look at some of the young guys that are getting some time for this team, you wind up having awesome Kim come in there. Topica Marsano wound up getting a start yesterday, so you tell know, that was a little bit of the B team. And For the Padres, this is a bunch in which they've got a very good bullpen that has been used quite a bit. Top bullpen ERA in the National League. Also, the most innings used of any bullpen out there in the National League. Craig and Emilio Pagan, even someone like an Isabel Krismet has been able to come in. They've been able to hold down the Fort Tim Hill, is someone that I like as well. And for the Cardinals, the bullpen has been relatively solid as well. You've got Cody Whitley who's been able to come in, give you a couple solid innings. Alex Reyes has made himself into a good reliever. Genesis Cabrera is someone that I'm a little bit bullish on. When I take a look at this spot, I do think that the Padres should be a little bit of a favorite here. I want to make it the minus 124 favorite, so I need right around a plus 124 with the Cardinals. Right now, I'm seeing a lot of plus 121, plus 123, so in some form or capacity, I anticipate being on the Cardinals. I'm just going to wait for the summer to move a little bit. I'm going to be on the over, though. I want to saying this all at 8.1, so most likely the card's waiting for a little bit of movement there, and I'm going to be going with this total over as well. 961, 962 on the betting board, you've got yourself the Miami Marlins in the road to face off against the LA Dodgers. Looks like it's going to be some sort of a bullpen game for the Miami Marlins, which is why this is a game that is presently off the board. Meanwhile, Trevor Bauer-Bauer is going to be going for the Dodgers. So you've got him on the mound, and Trevor Bauer, he's been able to do a great job of getting punch-outs. 67 strikeouts and 50 in a third innings now. He's given up the deep ball a little bit, 8 home runs. That's just going to happen when you wind up having hard tossers like he does. If you're able to get barreled up, you're able to take it for a ride, but for the Miami Marlins. The bullpen has actually been very solid for this team. you got to expect someone like a Ross Detweiler, maybe a Jordan Holloway to be able to get the start for this team. Both of these guys have found themselves getting a couple sp- starts in these sort of interesting spots. And both of these guys have been relatively solid. You've got someone like Zach Pop, who's able to give you multiple innings of the bullpen. Anthony Bender has been able to prove himself. Richard Blyer has given up a little bit too much hard contact, but by and large, they've been solid. And for the Dodgers, you've got Jimmy Nelson, who's really become one of the best bullpen pieces for this team. Blake Tryon, obviously, able to do a good job as well. Dennis Santana has been used quite a bit out of the bullpen as well, but I take a look at both of these lineups and a little bit of a stark difference here. For the Miami Marlins, you really have Asus Aguiar and Adam Duvall doing a lot of the heavy lifting for this team. Duvall hitting a 221 with six bombs. Asus Aguiar a little bit above a 300 with nine home runs going into yesterday and 32 RBI in. Has had nobody else in the starting lineup with more than two home runs for the team, and really one guy hitting above a 250 for the team in Miguel Rojas. Meanwhile, you've got the Dodgers, we've got a lot of guys that. You just expect a little bit more of them. Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, AJ Pollock, lying between a 258 and a 270, which isn't bad for a lot of guys. But you just, like I said, you expect a little bit more. Max Muncy has seven home runs. He's starting to pick it up a little bit with his 234 batting average. Justin Turner down for one, has seven bombs. He's hanging a little bit above a 300. Got to expect that the Dodgers are going to be a relatively sizable favorite. But if you get like a plus 225ish with the Marlins, I think that there could be some value here. I certainly do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game, given that the Miami Marlins in general in the bottom 10 the big leagues when it comes to runs per game. Meanwhile, with the Dodgers, this is a bunch that they're a little bit all or nothing with the bats. It just seems like they're either giving you 8-plus runs or they're only giving you like one because they right now lead the league with men in scoring position. So we're going to need to take a look at who winds up pitching for the Marlins, what you wind up getting with regards to this bullpen game. So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at JarenSquarty1 along with the spreadsheet. But like I said, if you're able to get a nice plus $2 or greater with the Marlins, probably going to be looking at a take there. 963-964 963-964 on the betting board. This is a New York Post play of the day as the Oakland A's hit the road to face off against the Minnesota Twins. Jose Barrios is gonna be going for the Twinkies. Meanwhile, Cole Irvin is on the bump for Oakland. Oakland is finding themselves as underdogs here. And we're between plus 115 and plus 122. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Minnesota Twins, anywhere between minus 126 and minus 135 with your total on this game, eight and a half, over and under are between minus 105 and minus 115. I can tell you right now, the New York Post play of the day is the Minnesota Twins on the money line. Now, I do recognize that they wind up entering into yesterday with the worst record with regards to win percentage out there in the American League. But if you take a look at games that wrapped up in regulation going into yesterday, they were approximately a 500 team in games that wound up wrapping up either in 7 innings or in extra innings 0-11. That is something that I think is just absolutely remarkable, and I do think that we're going to see a little bit of regression come in for the Oakland A's, because while the Oakland A's have had a tremendous record, 23-16, one of the top win percentages out there in the American League inning into yesterday, a negative 13 run differential, I don't know if that's necessarily sustainable, and when you take a look at the Oakland A's, Cole Irvin has been able to do a solid job so far this year, 329 ERA, 41 innings pitch, he's only given up 6 walks, but... When he was with the Philadelphia Phillies, had a lifetime ERA right around at 6.5. I do think that that's going to wind up drying up a little bit. Meanwhile, with Jose Barrios, you want to be taking a look at his career home and road splits. At home, he's got an ERA nearly a full point lower than on-the-road strikeout to walk rate is so much better. More around a 3.7 as compared to, like, a 2.5 when he's on the road, and for the Minnesota Twins, I do recognize that Pyron Buxton is currently injured for this team, but Nelson Cruz, hitting nearly a 300, he's been able to give the team 9 home runs, he's able to do a solid job. Gotta get a couple guys going. Ore Polanco has been able to work on his batting average now, hitting right around a 250, Max Kepler, along with Mitch Garver, Jake Cave. These guys are hitting a 200 or lower, along with Miguel, don't you know, Cino? I mean, that has been a little bit tough, but Kyle Garlick has been able to give you a little bit of something, and then we take a look at the Oakland A's. This is a bunch in which they've got a couple guys that are doing a good job. With regards to on base percentage. And then you've got Ramon Laureano, who's been able to bust out with eight stolen bases, seven home runs. So that's been relatively solid. Jed Lowry, who was out of baseball for a few years. And at 270, that's found money right there. Matt Olsen has been able to give you eight home runs. But with the Oakland A's, it does feel like the bullpen starting to regress a little bit. JB Wendelkin is on the injured list. So you've had to look to Birch Smith, Lou Trevino for extra innings. Adam Clareric is very solid for this team. Diolis Carrera has been someone that's been a little bit up and down. Wound up getting shelled a little bit a few days ago. But by and large, he's been solid. And for the Minnesota Twins, Cody Sashik, currently on the injured list for this team, but I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up. Ansel Robles has been solid this year. Taylor Rodgers is someone that I do have a little bit of faith in. Caleb Theobar has been tough. Now, Alex Calme, he has just been a complete and utter disaster for this team. I don't know if he's necessarily going to find it, but I can tell you right now with the Minnesota Twins, having Luis Arias back, being a 280, having Josh Donaldson, being able to do some good things, I do think that the Minnesota Twins are going to be able to power themselves a victory. Over a Cole Irvin that I think is due to regress a little bit, I did wind up saying this total at 7.2 because... The ball typically just does not wind up flying in the Midwest and mid-May like we've got right now. It is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark as well, and I just think that Perillos is going to roll. So the New York Post play today is going to be the Twins on the money line, going to be pairing that up with an under as well. 965-966 on the betting board. The LA Angels hit the road to face off against the Boston Red Sox. Martin Perez is going to be going for the Sox. Meanwhile, Dylan, don't call me out, Bundy is on the bump for the Angels. Angels are finding themselves... Very slight favorites in a couple spots, very slight underdogs in others. You've got minus 114 to minus 104 with the Angels. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Boston Red Sox, finding anywhere between minus 102 and minus 110, so got a very small pocket there. Third this game is 9.5. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even minus 110. I want to make in the Red Sox more on a minus 125 favorite. Now, I do recognize that Bundy is getting a little bit unlucky so far this year, which is a big reason why he's got a 503 ERA. He's given up just 5 home runs and 10 walks over the course of 39 and a third innings, but I don't necessarily have a lot of faith in E, along with his bullpen of the Angels, which ranks in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in just about every category. Rossi Iglesias, I believe, is a very over Now, you've been able to get something out of Tony Watson along with Aaron Slagers, but Steve Ciszek, Alex Claudio, hit or miss guys, Hi, buddy, I had to get called up to the big leagues and that's never a good sign. Meanwhile, for the Red Sox, they've actually been able to do a good job with their bullpen. Now, I do think that guys like Hurokazu, Sawamura, Garrett Whitlock, Phillips, Valdez are going to be showing their true colors throughout the year. I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of an offense oriented game because when you take a look at the Boston Red Sox, you've got a bunch of guys doing a great job with BL reach base. J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts entered into yesterday, both hitting in the neighborhood of about a three fifty. Rafael Devers, Christian Vasquez, Michael Chavis hitting between a two fifty five and a 270 for this bunch. Alex Verdugo done a good job of being a reach base as well. Now, you got guys like Bobby Dahlbeck, Marwan Gonzalez, a company that need to do a little bit more. And for the Angels, you've got a little bit of a top-heavy lineup. Anthony Rendon-Wanda returning for the team yesterday. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, along with Jared Walsh. I've been able to do a good job of being able to give you some power with Otani and Trout. I believe that both of these guys have double-digit amount of home runs. Trout might be still suck on 8 or 9, but he has been absolutely tremendous with this. North of 470 on base, David Fletcher has been able to get on base for this team as well. Recently he's been able to pick that up along with Jose Iglesias, but I just don't have a lot of faith in this Angels pitching staff in general. And for Martin Perez, it's not like he's necessarily going to go out there and light the world on fire, but what well, he does a good job of keeping the ball in the yard, he's given up two home runs over the course of thirty 33 and two thirds innings for his career. Right around one home run per nine innings. So this is actually a ballpark that seems to suit him very well. He's been in good recent form. Giving up two earned runs or fewer in each out of his last four starts, he wound up giving up an unearned run in a start against the Tigers, which wound up hurting that a little bit. But by and large, I do like what I'm seeing there, which is why I do wind up having the Red Sox as a favorite in this spot. And when it comes to the total, I do think that the offenses are going to bust out, but I wound up only saying the total at 9.1. I think that the half is just a little bit too much. If I was not having the hook on it, I'd be looking and over, but at nine and a half, we're going to be diving under to go along with the Boston Red Sox. 967, 968 on the betting board. The Baltimore Orioles are going to be playing us in New York Yankees. Domingo Herman is going to be going for the Yankees. Meanwhile, Juan Ore Lopez is going to be on the bump for the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles are finding themselves as underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 148 and plus 155. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Yankees, anywhere between minus 164 and minus 170. Total on this game is nine over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 for Herman. He wound up getting off to an absolutely terrible start to the year. And ever since he wound up having those two or three bad starts, he's been able to pick it up. He has allowed seven home runs in 31 and a third innings. has always been an issue with him, but command is there. He's only given up six walks so far this season. Meanwhile, for Mr. Lopez, he also knows about giving up hard contact. Seven home runs have given up in 32 innings, which is relatively close to the same ratio. You take a look at the New York Yankees. They have gotten back Luke Vogt, which should be able to help out this offense. This is a Yankees team that you just take a look at what they've done in Camden Yards in recent years. They have been absolutely on fire. DJ LeMayu has not necessarily been as good as he was in past years, hitting right around 265 and you do need some of these guys to pick it up. Gary Sanchez, Clint Frazier, Brett Gardner, Miguel Anduar, all guys hitting a 200 or lower and then you've got Rudando O'Dor has just been terrible. I could see that coming, but Aaron Judge has been able to do a good job of reaching base. Giancarlo Santon wound up getting the day off yesterday, but by and large, he's solid when he's not going through COVID-19 protocol, which is right now ravaging the Yankees. You do want to be taking note of that, but with the Baltimore Orioles, you've got Cedric Mullins hitting Above a three hundred for the team, Freddie Galvis hitting right around a two seventy five, and then you've got Austin, the Sayas kid, Pedro Severino, Dre Mumbu, Mancini hitting between a two forty and a little bit above a two fifty five. But guys like. Roman Urias, Pat Vileka, TJ Stewart, Chancisco, Michael Franco, Ryan Mountcastle. in are 225 get or lower, certainly killing this team. But when you take a look at the Orioles, this is a team that they've been able to get quite a bit of good bullpen pitching. Trey Lincoln Sr. has been able to give you some solid innings. Cole Solzer, Tanner Scott, even Adam Plutko have been able to come in and do a solid job. And the Yankees, their main strength has been the bullpen. Jonathan LeWiseguy has been able to give you a couple solid innings. Wandi Peralta, someone that's able to do a good job for an inning. Justin Wilson has been able to contribute. Aroldis Chapman is still as Chapman. So I set the Yankees as a very sizable favorite. I think that they're going to continue to own the Baltimore Orioles. Question becomes what did they wind up setting the run line at? And I'm seeing it right around a minus 105 to a minus 110. That's good enough for me to take. I was willing to take more around a minus 120 here with the Yankees, so we're going to be going with that. I do anticipate a high-scoring game. I think that Armand and Lopez both wind up giving up a couple home runs. Set this total closer to 10, so we're going to be going over along with the Yankees' run line. 969, 970 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Chicago White Sox, and they're going to be playing against the Kansas City Royals. Mike Miner hopes to not be a major disappointment for the Royals. Meanwhile, Carlos Rodan is going to be going for the White Sox. White Sox anywhere between minus 173 and minus 190 favorites. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Royals is anywhere between plus 159 and plus 171. Total is anywhere between 8 and and 8.5 on the 8. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 both ways. On the 8.5, under is anywhere between minus 120, minus 125. Over is anywhere between even at plus 105. It was mentioned by Chelsea what we're seeing with the White Sox in recent years. They mash left-handed pitching. I believe that she is correct in her number: twenty-three and one. The last twenty-four games in which the White Sox wind up going up against a left-hander, and for Mike Miner, he's not necessarily the world's greatest left-hander to start with. North of a five ERA, someone in thirty-six innings has given up six home runs. I still remember when he was an All-Star a few years ago. You figured that there was going to be a regression, and boy, there was. Now with Carlos Rodon, there's going to be a regression from this: a zero fifty-eight ERA with one home run given up in 31 innings that is absolutely masterful but you take a look at this White Sox team they did wind up having to use up the bullpen a little bit in their double dip against the Kansas City Royals and the Royals did as well Josh Mount Scott Barlow wound up going in game one and for the White Sox they did wind up having to use up Alex McCray a little bit but the fact that Lucas Giolito wound up beating it for six innings was actually very good for them and then when you take a look at the White Sox lineup you had them in Mercedes hitting well above a 380 for this bunch is good you've got Andrew Vaughn, Johan Moncada both guys hitting between a two fifty five and about a two seventy-ish. And with Moncada, right around a three seventy on base along with Vaughn, which is also very good. You've got Nick Madrigal doing a good job reaching base right around a two ninety batting average. Jim Anderson hitting well above a three hundred as well. And for the Kansas City Royals, lineup has been a little bit intermiss. Michael Taylor, Whit Merrifield, Carlos Santana owing between a two fifty and a two sixty. And for Santana, right around a four hundred on base. Andrew Benintendi hitting a two eighty along with Salvador Perez, but then Ode Solaire three home runs so far this season, and is sitting below the Mendoza line of 200 100. Osher has been terrible. Cam Gallagher, unable to find Nicky Lopez. Starting to build himself up a little bit, but answer Alberto figured that this would be a nice offseason acquisition. In a 220, not necessarily what you want to see. And then for the White Sox, bullpen of the team has been relatively solid. Matt Foster had a really rough go of it to begin the year. He's finding himself, once again, Liam Hendricks is someone that I really do like Evan Marshall. Once again, rough start to the year. He's been able to do a little bit better in Aaron Bummer. Well, he's not a bummer because he's very good, but when you take a look in this spot I want to be taking a look at the run line of the White Sox personally because this is a very large money line no way fans are about it in this spot and when you take a look at the run line I was in need of something right around a plus-ish price. I'm seeing plus 110. That is just enough for me to be able to take. I'm actually seeing a plus 116 at circa. That's even better. So we're going to wind up taking that run line here with the Chicago White Sox. And when it comes to this total, I wind up setting it at 8.8 personally because the White Sox do a great job offensively against left-handers. So we're going to be taking this total over to go along with that White Sox run line. 971, 972 nine seventy two. I'm betting more The Houston Astros are going to be playing with the Texas Rangers. Dane Gitter Dunning is going to be going for the Rangers. Meanwhile, Luis Garcia is going to be going for the Houston Astros. With Mr. Garcia and company, there are anywhere between minus 171 and minus 180 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Rangers, anywhere between plus 155 and plus 163 is the price here. Totals anywhere between 8.5 and and 9. On the 9, under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 105. On the 8.5, over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. For Luis Garcia, he's actually gotten off to a relatively solid start so far this year. Record doesn't show up, but I mean he's been okay. 30? innings pitch. He has given up six home runs, but 35 strikeouts. Has good swing and miss stuff. I believe that the Astros have lost every one of his starts so far this year, so that's not necessarily too terrific. I wouldn't necessarily... Say that it's his fault, it's more or less because Brooks, Rayleigh, and Ryan Presley are throwing every single night out of the bullpen for the same kind of manual. It's only I do like for them as well, but you gotta figure that the Astros are gonna be able to put a couple runs up on the board, even though Dane Odin, in his own right, is a relatively solid. In 33 and a third innings, he's given up just one home run and ten walks now. He does give up a lot of contact, nine hits per nine innings, and things have really regressed for him. He's given up at least three runs in three out of his last four starts. And for the Astros, you've gotta love what you're able to get out of these bats as well. I mean, it has been very tremendous. This to see Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Yoli Gurriel, all hitting above a 300 entering into yesterday. Jose Altuve wound up getting the day off, but he has been able to return from COVID-19. He's been solid. You've got Carlos Correa hitting in the neighbor of a 250. Now guys like Miles Straw, Kyle Tucker, Martín Maldonado, Robel García, these guys have been a little bit rough, but by and large, the core of the Astros. Very good. And for the Rangers, they've come alive with their bats as well. Not necessarily a ton of power aside from Odelius Garcia who's hitting 9 home runs entering into yesterday but he along with Chris with a K Davis, and Willie Cowan entered into yesterday, hitting at least a 285 for this bunch now with Chris Davis. Very small sample size for him. He wound up just coming back from the injured list, but also been able to get something out of Nick Solak hitting a 265. you You've got Nate Lowe has 25 RBIs. Wound up having a lot of those at the beginning of the year, but your fear with the Rangers is the bullpen of this team because it is not good. A lot of these guys wind up being used for multiple innings, like Kobe Allard. I know that they've done this with guys like John King and company, Taylor Hearn certainly as well, and Ian Kennedy. Okay, at the back end of it, but I just have my concerns with the seam with the Astros. They should be a relatively sizable favorite. I want to personally setting them right around a minus 135-ish. So... I don't know if it's necessarily quite enough to be able to take here because I do think that you're going to get a situation in which there are going to be a decent amount of runs. I want to sing the total at 8.3, so I'm going to be taking it under. If you're looking at the run line of the Astros, seeing this anywhere between plus 110 and plus 150. I was hoping for a little bit more of a plus price here, so I'm going to be unable to take that. I do think that Dane Dunning might be able to get her done in this spot. I know that recent form has not necessarily been great from, but I know that after his first four stars, at right around a 0.60 ERA, and with the Astros, With perhaps not having Altuve out there, once again, a little bit of a concern. So we're going to be taking the plus price here with the Rangers. And we're going to be taking this total under as well. 973, 974 on the betting board. Seattle Mariners are going to be playing us the Cleveland Indians. Tristan McKenzie is going to be going for the Windians. Meanwhile, Justin Sheffield is on the bump for the Seattle Mariners. Journal game is 8. Under is anywhere between minus 105, minus 110. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. If you're looking at the Cleveland Indians, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 115 and minus 129. Plus price here on Seattle. Anywhere between plus 105 and plus 110. Tristan McKenzie has very good stuff, but the walks issues are the reason why I'm taking a look at the Seattle Mariners. How about in this spot for Tristan McKenzie? 34 punch outs in 23 and two thirds innings, but 22 walks. That's over eight walks per nine innings. That's not necessarily going to get the job done, especially when you give up five home runs in 23 and two-thirds innings. Now, Justice Sheffield, last season, wound up giving up like .3 home runs per nine innings. That has ballooned a bit. Five home runs, given up in 33 innings so far this year. But by and large, he hasn't necessarily gotten completely blown up in any of his starts aside from that bad one against the Texas Rangers. I do think that he was left out there a little bit too long. And he's backed up by a bullpen that is solid. With the Mariners' bullpen, it is starting to regress a little bit, especially with guys like Rafael Montero and Will Vest. But Kendall Graven has been absolutely tremendous out there in the bullpen. Robert Duggar has been able to give you a little bit of length with regards to multiple innings. JT Chargois is something I do like as well, and when you take a look at the Cleveland Indians, they've really been able to have one of the better records out there in the American League because of their bullpen. Emmanuel Klaes has been terrific. James Karinchek has been able to hold the to town. Trevor and Brian Shaw. These have been nice finds along with Nick Sandlin. He's been able to come in. He's been solid, and when you take a look at both of these lineups, they leave a little bit of something to be desired. With the Cleveland Indians, you've got Frank Mel Reyes, Josh Naylor, and Jose Ramirez entering into yesterday in between a 252 and a 265. With their Ram- Miras and Reyes, look at my 20 home runs. Jordan Luplo has been able to give you six pounds, only in a buck sixty seven, and that's a big issue for this team. Cesar Hernandez, Eddie Rosario, Andres Jimenez, Luplo, Jake Bowers, Austin Edges, Yu Chang, only in a two fifteen or lower for the team. But for the Seattle Mariners, bottom of the lineup has been tough for the team as well. Dylan Moore, Jorge Mamaloes, Luis Torrance, Sam Egerty, list goes on and on of guys in below the Mendoza line of two hundred. Now, they have brought up to the big league level Jared Helnick. Big expectations for this 21-year-old. Going to be interesting to see how he winds up faring in his first couple games. Mitch Hanager at center home runs hitting at 252. Kyle Seeger, Kyle Lewis, both hitting between a 230 and a 240 for Lewis. Rough start after he wound up coming off the injured list. He's been able to emerge and J.P. Crawford hitting right around a 250 for this team is nice, but I do think that the Seattle Mariners going to be able to stem the tide with their bullpen. I think that this is an interesting spot because with Sheffield, I do feel like this is someone that is a tad bit underrated. I think that he's a little bit better than how he's pitched so far this year. So, I'm going to be taking the plus price here with Seattle. While I'm saying this total 8.2 as well with the Indians. You don't necessarily have a ton of guys that are mashing, but you do have a few guys they are able to do just enough for the same So, we're going to be taking this total over and the plus price here with the Mariners. 975, 976 on the betting board. You've got the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're going to be playing also the New York Metropolitans. The betting board currently has to be determined for the Mets. I'm right now seeing Joey Lucchese going for them, so that's how I'm going to be assuming this one. Meanwhile, Shane McClanahan is going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays race. Currently off the board due to the mystery with regards to the Mets, but if it winds up being Joey Lucchese, I'm going to be making the Tampa Bay race a relatively sizable favorite here. Right around at minus 141 with a total of 8.7 with McLennan. He certainly is a fireballer that's able to throw 100 plus miles per hour. In his three starts, a combined 12 innings has given up four walks and one home run, 15 punch outs, so he certainly has lived up to his billing. Meanwhile, for Joey Lucchese had a rough couple years out there with San Diego. He has come into New York and he ends up in the king of it to say the least. 771 ERA. He's been a little bit unlucky. I will give them that. And for the Mets, this is a bullpen that they've been very good so far this year. I just wonder if it's built on Sam. You've got Robbie Gazelman, Tommy Hunter, Aaron Loop, Trevor May. Guys that I just feel are pitching above their skis right now. For the Tampa Bay Rays, they had a rough start to begin the year, but these guys have been able to figure it out. I do like what you're able to get out of Hunter Strickland, Jeffrey Springs. You've got Pete Fairbanks back at the full Diego Castillo Just to coming off the under list as well. And when you've got the Tampa Bay Rays, a team that strikes out a lot going up against a guy that doesn't necessarily get as many punch that's very good for them. Randy Orozarena has been solid for this team. Hitting right around a 260 with a 355 on base. Now, you've got a lot of guys that they just need to pick it up in general with regards to their batting average. Brett Phillips, Mike Zanino, Willie Adamas, Mark Brasso, along with Austin Meadows, Yoshi Satsugo. All guys are in a two twenty or lower. Kevin Padillo, jury's still out on him. He just wound up coming up to the big leagues a man warmer go. it has been really right around at 230, but been a little bit of a tough go it there for the Mets. You wound up having every single starter entering into yesterday's game, aside from one hitting a 260 or lower. And the outlier was Jose Peraza, who has not seen a lot of at-bats. This is a Mets team that they're towards the bottom of the big leagues with regards to nearly every hard contact metric out there in the big leagues. So it's just hard to have a lot of faith in them. That's why I'm saying the Rays is a little bit north of a minus 140 favorite. And like I said, due to the fact that you've got someone in... Mr. Lucas who has struggled with regards to just a little bit of everything in pitching the last couple of years, wind up saying the total 8.7. So, 8.5 or lower are going to be taking a look at the over. 9 or higher are going to be taking a look at the under. That is, assuming, of course, Casey winds up getting the start for the Mets. 977, 978 on the main board. The Detroit Tigres are going to be playing against the Chicago Cubs. Trevor Williams goes for the Cubs. Jose Yerenia is going to be going for the Detroit Tigers. Total on games game is anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 9, the under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between minus 105 and even on the 8.5. Over is anywhere anywhere between minus 120, minus 125. The under is anywhere between even and plus 105. If you're looking at the Cubs, anywhere between minus 120 and minus 126 is what you're laying plus price here with Detroit. And anywhere between plus 101 and plus 115. When I take a look at this one, I do feel like the Tigers should be a little bit of an underdog, but I actually really like what I'm seeing out of Jose Irenia. I'm a little bit surprised that I don't wind up having them as a bigger underdog as I do because with the Cubs, it has been very hit or miss. I want to making it so that way I need at least a plus 117 to be able to take a look at the Tigers with the Cubs. I currently have them at minus 117. So you take a look at the run line in this spot. And you're right now finding the Cubs only right around to minus 125. I would certainly need a little bit more bang for my buck to be able to take a look there. So right now, we're probably going to be looking at the Tigers and you got to figure that the money is going to be coming in on the Cubs. So a little bit of a wait and see play here on the Tigers, but I was mentioning Jorena a little bit earlier, and so far this year, 40 innings pitch, and he's given up two home runs. Now, the 18 walks are a little bit unsightly, but you take a look at what he's done recently. He's given up two runs, no more, no less, in each out of his last five starts, so he's held it down. Meanwhile, for Trevor Williams, back, I believe, during the second half of the 2018 season, he had the best post-All-Star break ERA out there in the big leagues, but this year, it's not been that 16 walks and 6 home runs given up in 31 innings. So a little bit over 4.5 walks and nearly 2 home runs per 9 innings. So that is very brutal to say the least. Now he's given up 2 runs or fewer in 4 of his last 5 starts but he's not delivering a lot of length now. You do have to throw this in here with the Cubs. Bullpen has been very solid. Craig Kimbrell has been able to come in. He's looked absolutely masterful. Justin Steele, Ryan Tappara, Guys that aren't necessarily great but they're not blowing it. Dan Winkler has a 0.84 ERA so he's come in. He's been able to hold down the 4. Rex Brothers is someone that could be a little bit of a miss but he's been able We've some solid innings as well. Meanwhile, for the Tigers, worst bullpen RA out there in the big leagues, Michael Fulmer might actually be their best reliever at this point. And then we take a look at the Tigers. No doubt, the offense needs a little bit of help. But Nico Goodrum now hitting right around 250 itself for the team. Harold Castro is hitting above a 300. Jameer Candelario hitting in the neighbor of a 275 to a 280. Now Miguel Cabrera is having a rough go of it so far this year, but he seems to be picking up a little bit recently as well. For the Cubs, very intermittent team. Anthony Rizzo is hitting right around a 225, but nearly a 350 on base. Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, both hitting in the neighbor of a at 250 along Jock Peterson, and for Jock Peterson, that's actually very good considering the way that he started out the year. Nico Horner hitting nearly at 380. That is relatively rock solid, but I don't have a lot of faith here in Trevor Williams personally, which is why I wind up setting this money line so low with the Cubs, so I'm going to be probably taking a look at the Tigers in the spot, just waiting to see if the summer winds up moving. Also set this total at nine point six two two. My by lack of faith, the Trevor Williams that I do think that Yarenia is going to wind up progressing a little bit as well, so going to be taking the over and the Tigers with the plus price, and we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the betting board, a game that is off the board between the Philadelphia Phillies who are on the road facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays, who are actually out there in Dunedin and for the Blue Jays, currently a to-be-determined starter, which is why this game is presently off the board. Meanwhile, Aaron Supernola is going to be going for the Philadelphia Phillies. And Aaron Nola has not been so super on the road. At home, he's got a lifetime ERA right around a 2.9 on the road. It's a little bit north of 4. He's given up just 5 home runs and 47 and two-thirds innings, but I mean even this year, the home and road splits are very pronounced. At home, Buck 40 ERA across four starts. Has given up one home run, four walks with 25 and two thirds innings. Across four starts, 22 innings on the road so far this year. Four bombs given up. His strikeout numbers have went from 31 at home to 22 on the road. Opponents are hitting 262 on him on the road. 614 ERA. And that's just the Phillies in general. Hector Nares is someone that you want absolutely no part of coming out of the bullpen on the road. Jose Alvarado, someone that I don't trust. And Brandon Kitzler is someone that's having a rough year. Matt Moore is now coming in from relief. And that is not necessarily too great. And when you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, You've got Reese Hoskins, who's been able to go deep eight times for the team so far this year. And you've got quite a few guys doing a good job with regards to the batting average. JT Ryumoto is back from COVID-19 protocol. Bryce Harper, Gene Skrull, all at least a 300 for the team. Nick Bain has been hitting in that neighborhood as well. But you've also got Odubo Herrero, who was really bad to start out the year. The fact that he's above a 200 right now is actually very good. And then for the Toronto, AK Dunedin Blue Jays, Marcus Simeon, Bobachet, Randall Gritchick. All guys that have pop in the bat. All guys hitting at least a 265 and really no more than a 280 for the team. But Vlager or Junior... Hitting a 300 long to Oscar Hernandez is very solid and for Flagger Jr. We remember that three home run game earlier this year. And I will say Jonathan Davis, Lors Guerriel, Rowdy Tillas, Danny Jansen. These guys hitting a 200 or lower, not necessarily terrific. And Kavan Biggio, not much better. But with the Blue Jays as well, even though you've got a couple injuries with this bullpen, Rafael Dolis, Julia Merriweather being the biggest of them, they're still in the top 10 in pretty much every single metric of bullpen. ERA in terms of just the bullpen in general. AJ Cole is back for this team. You've been able to get some good production out of Tim Maza, Joel Payampas. The list goes on and on. So even though it's probably going to be a bullpen game for the Blue Jays, and you got to figure that Travis Burden is probably going to have a big part in it. You might wind up seeing some innings from Tyler Chatwood as well. That I'd probably be taking a look at the Blue Jays if they're a relative pick'em or a slight underdog. And in this spot, probably would be taking a look at a total. I would say at 9.5 or lower, over at 10 or higher to the under. Check back in the morning my Twitter feed at jerns41, though, once we figure out a little bit more with regards to the pitching questions with the Toronto Blue Jays. And my Twitter timeline at jerns41 is also where you're able to ask a question if you have that for this podcast. And if you like what you're hearing from the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. A big thanks to Chelsea Messenger of big of for joining me in the last segment. She does a lot of different things including with Sportsbook Review. Always great to get her aboard. Hopefully you're all safe, healthy, and doing well. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the MLB regular season with picks and analysis daily, which means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.